0: Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Business Leader Insight, brought to you today by our sponsor, Perplex uh, Marketing. Business Leader is the UK's leading B2B media platform. We have a print magazine, live and virtual events network, and a website is updated daily with news and insight. For those of you who don't know about Business Leader, please do uh, go visit us at businessleader.co.uk. This live interview series is seeing us talk to interesting business figures, and for today's interview, we're delighted to be speaking to Spencer Matthews. Spencer's frequently appeared on British TV screens, first making his name in the E4 series, Made in Chelsea. He's also a keen investor and founder and CEO of the Clean Liquor Company, which we'll be finding out more about today. So let's begin. Uh, Welcome, Spencer. Hi.
1: Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. What a lovely day this is. And uh, no, very exciting to be talking to you. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Definitely. It's a beautiful day to be inside doing an interview, isn't it? But
0: uh, Indeed, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we'll kick off, Spencer, by just talking about your early career. I mentioned in the introduction your, 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 your starring role in, in Made in Chelsea. I believe you were, you were working in the, city, in the city at the same time. And you, can you just give us an overview to that point in your career?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I tried my hand at a few bits and bobs before kind of settling in finance uh, in the city. Uh, a decision that I kind of took mainly to try and follow in my brother's footsteps, who's successful um, in, in his own right and in, in funds. Uh, ended up working with one of my best mates at, at ICAP. Uh, incidentally, uh, his name's Max Keeper White. He now works with us here at Clean. Um, and we uh, made in Chelsea, came along at a kind of similar time. So I was at ICAP uh, broking forward uh, Swiss francs. Uh, and and we uh, were having a great time. And I felt like it was my first real kind of proper um, job, I suppose, in the city. i would had two jobs prior to that working at Blue Index and City Index. Um, and, and then ICAP is kind of where I landed. About a year before that, Uh, A couple of friends of mine had pitched uh, a show idea called The Big Smoke to a production company. Uh, We shot a pilot, which was uh, evidently rubbish Uh, and never went anywhere. Uh, But that kind of led to the Made in Chelsea discussion when they were uh, casting. And it was initially called Chelsea Girls when we had our first interview. Uh, That went well and I ended up doing both. I was working at ICAP during the day and kind of filming by night and taking these... um, taking these kind of taxi motorcycles to get from work, which, you know, people who work in the city will know that iCap, you're in at 6 a.m. and you leave at, you know, 5, 6 p.m. And then I was filming from 6 till 10 usually and often had to entertain clients after that. So it was a very busy uh, year, that one, and kind of unsustainable. Um, I chose uh, Made in Chelsea uh, over iCap Because ICAP were extremely kind at the time and said, uh, listen, why don't you see if the TV thing kicks off? And, you know, for whatever reason, if it doesn't, you can always come back, uh, which I thought was extremely kind of them. They were always very good to me. Um, And then, of course, the main Chelsea thing, which started as a bit of fun, picked up some 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 momentum and a bit of steam and uh, kind of uh, propelled some of us into potential future television uh, roles uh, and you know it won a BAFTA and, and you know it continues to be quite popular. I, I honestly don't know what series it's in now, but it's 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 gone. It's gone on and on and on. And you know the cast are all still. You know uh, I'm 31 now. I, I believe the cast are 19, 20 years old. You know that, that show will continue to churn out what what's become sort of uh, very popular television. Not quite my thing now. Moved on. Um, and doing uh, other bits and bobs. Uh, so that, that's kind of landed me here. Always been a keen investor in early growth companies even when I was doing Made in Chelsea. Uh, I think the social uh, aspect of it kind of got the better of me in the long run. I used to drink an awful lot, uh, uh, drinking to excess quite regularly, I suppose, throughout my kind of television career, if you want to call it that. Uh, and then and then uh, stopped and started a couple of businesses, my priority of which being clean liquor now. Yeah thank you um Spencer and we'll talk
0: in more detail about a uh, clean cleaner a bit just just can you just talk about the lessons that you learned through 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 being on made in chelsea
1: uh sure i always kind of saw made in chelsea as um a market opportunity as a bit of a business you know that kind of stuff i went to school uh in california theater school in in california and uh and i always wanted to be an actor or be on screen in some way and over there it was the absolute height of the hills fame um I was quite pally with Brodie Jenner at the time, and I couldn't quite understand their career path. You know, it was it was incredible to see the level of fame that they had. And of course, at the time, it was quite attractive when you're young uh, or when I was young. I kind of valued that stuff, really enjoyed it and loved the idea of it. Um, and so I came over here and it didn't exist. There wasn't anything like that, the kind of aspirational Uh, glossy, uh, you know, Hollywoodized almost uh, reality show amongst friends. Um, And and so we did that and it taught me uh, all sorts. I I now kind of watch television differently. I kind of understand how things are made. I understand how time consuming it is. I mean, you watch the show and you just think it's um, kind of knocked together. Perhaps it takes weeks to film an episode. You know, it it, it was uh, interesting for an insight, I suppose, into television. But for me, it was more... um, Kind of piercing, uh, being the, being the market leader in 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 that kind of television environment, uh, it was it was a kind of first to market type thing, which is why I found it really fun. For me, unfortunately, as as it went on, um, I, I had less of a place for it in my in my heart. You know, in, in the opening series, it was quite fun. It was all extremely original and kind of felt extremely real. And I'm not suggesting it's fake now, but of course, the more you do anything, the more you become accustomed to the way in which it runs and you understand the kind of back end of it a bit more Uh, and it just became um, less of a career opportunity I suppose uh, for me it taught me to just really question what it is I want out of my life and do I want to be a reality star do I want to be seen as a reality star Um, is this going to lead to a real job in television Uh, do I even want a real job in television you know so, so it was kind of it dragged on a lot longer than i thought it might um i was on that show for six years i think six six seven years uh so yeah for me it was an opportunity the love was was as valuable as the hate to me obviously we're there to create drama so you would understand how to market it i suppose looking at it you know if you're just yourself all the time it became uh boring so People had to push themselves to create entertainment for people, and and I don't know. I, I've I found it um, as a working environment. I, I I thought I could try my hands and, and probably be more efficient elsewhere. So I made the decision to leave. Um, but it taught me all sorts about uh, about um, structure and and the television side of things. I suppose. Moving on to the clean liquor
0: company, what what inspired you to set up the business?
1: Um, my own relationship with alcohol had to change. Uh, it in itself was unsustainable and becoming quite unhealthy. Uh, having said that, I, wasn't, I would drink to excess very regularly. Uh, I wasn't a terrible drunk by any means. Always life and soul of the party, always, always happy. I didn't feel like there was a big grey cloud over me. I don't think I was drinking for any reason other than uh, having developed bad habits uh, with my social life um but but it was kind of unsustainable it got to the point where we we were going to have um our first child theodore uh in about 6 months and, and my drinking had uh, spiraled out of control is the wrong word again it was ju- it was just regular and a part of my normal life uh, uh so i would say that uh i was certainly an alcoholic or am an alcoholic i don't, i i, I Honestly, can't get a grip on 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 the on the terms of how you explain uh, drinking habits to people. I think it's outdated and in many cases wrong. Uh, but I certainly used to drink too much. Uh, so uh, obviously, when you go sober, I, I was I was a bit sanctimonious to begin with, and my life was so much better. And I I just you know loved every part of my new life and my new being. You know, you feel like a different person actually if if you do drink to excess and you pump the brakes. It's uh, the change is. Uh, unfathomable, very different anyway for me uh, in terms of creativity, productivity, anyway. So ended up at a a dinner party and somebody gave me a a non-alcoholic gin and tonic and I'd never heard of that before, I thought it was uh, an amazing and incredible concept and the brand that was served to me was Seedlip Uh, and I looked into it uh, and I read everything there was to read about it and they didn't present themselves as an alcohol-free gin uh, it was something completely different. It was made with peas and hay. And, and I found it very interesting. And I read the backstory of Ben Branson. I reached out to see Lip, see if I could be involved in some way. Uh, they'd been trading since 2014. So they're very much, they're in 25 countries at the time. Uh, I, I, and, but, but for my knowledge of the industry, I'd never heard of them. I'd never heard of the category. I had no idea that alcohol-free alcohol was a thing, and it turns out it wasn't, it was just them at the time. So I looked into creating my own brand, uh, but really taking their awesome idea and, and kind of working on top of it and simplifying it and making it more accessible to the consumer um, and, and more understandable uh, to, to, to the kind of layman or somebody at the bar. There's a lot of negative connotation surrounding not drinking socially it's still deemed awkward uh, and in many ways, your legs pulled a bit if you don't drink uh, and not drinking is a very positive life decision. And you can't label it as anything other than that. Uh, so it's funny that the mental kind of stigma surrounding alcohol is still that alcohol is glamorous, alcohol is cool. Uh, and by the way, I understand alcohol's place in society. It's, nobody here is trying to eradicate alcohol. We aim to coexist with alcohol and completely understand uh, why people love to have a drink, that's, that's neither here nor there. But what I feel that people need is an alternative to live alongside full-strength alcohol um, uh, in a positive way. So clean drinking, in my mind, developed this space that didn't really exist. Everything was non-alcoholic and not fun and not what you want. So I wanted to create in the same way that clean eating and clean living is a popular thing. Uh, I wanted to create clean drinking. So that experience of uh, that ritual almost of having an alcoholic beverage mixed for you or mixing it at home or shaking it up in a cocktail shaker with that flavor of alcohol, but without any of the negative effects of the alcohol. Uh, The market for moderation here in the UK is far larger than the market for total abstinence. So we decided to keep a very small amount of alcohol in our spirits just to help with that education leap from drinking alcohol to not drinking alcohol at all. Um, also, it helps with flavor. Here at Clean Liquor, we try not to compromise on flavor. Uh, we now have gin, uh, four gins actually, and, and a rum, uh, and we aim to expand into all kinds of different liquors. Uh, and it's really exciting because it's, it's kind of a new and a fresh look at things. And we are at the forefront of, of this emerging market that is growing uh, incredibly quickly. And we're, we're, we're achieving some really fantastic numbers really early on and gaining uh, a lot of momentum going into our second raise at the end of this year. So looking forward to it. I know you're, you're
0: live from your new HQ today in Southwest London. I mean, how has uh, lockdown affected the business and, and has, it, has it changed your, your approach and, and the way you're, you're gonna go forward with
1: marketing? Absolutely. I think lockdown had, you know, we had no choice but to completely reevaluate what our year might look like. Uh, we had big, bold uh, plans for this year. Our financial year started in April and we were throwing the kitchen sink at marketing and, and awareness. Um, we have data that suggests that, you know, roughly 90% of the people in the UK don't know that this kind of product even exists, let alone go out and buy it. Um, it's about, uh, it's between a 500, 600K. Uh, retail monthly sector at the moment across all brands and all SKUs, um, uh, uh, and that's, in, that, that, that's penetrating less than 1% of UK households. So you can imagine when that number is 20%, 30%, 50%, 60%, uh, there'll be many more zeros added onto the end of this already exciting marketplace. Uh, so our my vision is, you know, we need we need to get it out there. we need to talk to people about it. We need to kind of inspire people to make positive change. Um, and this is in no way targeting people with with alcoholism issues per se. It, it, this is just, you know, if you have five gin and tonics and you feel like you only really want three, try having a couple of them clean. You know, you'll be out the same amount of time having the same social experience, but with you know less alcohol. Uh, up to half the amount of alcohol, actually, if you drink one one-on-one-off type situation, or if you don't want to drink alcohol at all, like I don't, when you mix one of our gin and tonics with uh, with tonic water, you're below the alcohol-free uh, limit in UK in, in EU legislation, anyway. So you're effectively drinking an alcohol-free product. There's more alcohol in a banana uh, and and a loaf of bread than there is in our clean gin or clean rum. Uh, so. Sorry, I, I always go off piece. Um, but I suppose, yeah, we we were looking to spend um, uh, a, a, a lot of our initial seed raise, I suppose, at uh, marketing, at um, household penetration. Uh, but actually, it served us really well to to just to just halt on that, focus more on talking to the consumer, uh, develop products. Uh, during lockdown at the distillery uh, and, and sell those into the consumer, make more of a big deal of a direct consumer business uh, than our than our uh, on-trade side of the business, which is currently just completely off the cards. Um, and it's just been really exciting because actually there's no good kind of penetrating uh, the minds of the public and, and, and UK households if you don't have the distribution. Um, so it's all very good and well, everybody knowing who you are. But if they if they don't live next to you know a, a retailer where the product is on shelf, they have to come and buy it through you, uh, and it's a big ask. A lot of people enjoy you know doing a weekly shop at, at a retailer, so you do need both sides of the business. Um, but also, we've really used the time just to grow our social media following uh, and and uh, communicate directly with almost everybody who buys a bottle from us. Uh, seeing how we can be better, seeing what they like, what they don't like, the three flavors—rhubarb, elderflower, and raspberry gins—which just came out were voted for by the public during lockdown. Um, and you know, we actually sent out bottles to uh, people who have spent the most with us in the past, free of charge, just for their feedback. Uh, we have over nine hundred reviews now on Trustpilot that put us at four point six stars, which is heads and shoulders above all of our competition. And currently. Our clean gin in Sainsbury's is um, we're about twice the size of Seedlip now in Sainsbury's. So we're market leader on that one skew in Sainsbury's. Uh, And at one point when we were on deep discount during lockdown, uh, we had 56 percent of the whole of market share of no and low in the retailer with the highest percentage uh, of no and low share in the UK. So things are going awesome. And uh, and it's great to see there's nothing better when people begin to to share your vision. Uh, and I feel that the team is just fantastic. You know, may, we also took a lot of time uh, when we pumped the brakes a bit to hire incredible people, uh, you know, who are far smarter than me with a lot more business experience. Uh, we we we, um, we pinched a guy from BritVic. We've got some lads from Innocence. We've got a guy from Mars. Uh, we have a, an amazing gal from Vita Coco. You know, we, 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 we've really... Um, Really throwing the kitchen sink at creating, you know, a, a, an A-list team uh, that have the answers. You know, there's not too much trial and error that's going on here. Uh, the experience in the room is 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 vast. I'm the out, if anything,
0: <laughs> <laughs> know, it sounds like you're 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 building the A-team there in terms of the food and drink sector, which is great. And just on the flip side, you you, you also mentioned early earlier that you're an investor in startups and early growth companies. I mean, what do you look for? when you invest. And also, could you just give some tips for companies who might be looking to, to raise funds? I mean, what should, should they not do when they're talking to investors?
1: Uh, It's a personal belief of mine that undervaluing yourself is shooting yourself in the foot really early. You need to, if you believe in your idea and you believe that you are able to see it through and and grow a team and, uh, and, and do it, you know, it's really, I, I was told before starting this business by, my brother and other people, it's really hard, you know, and 99% of startups fail and, and, you know, don't get your hopes up and you're not just going to be the next kind of innocent drinks. It doesn't work like that. Uh, So you've got to be really sure of yourself if you're not in it and you don't love it and your purpose for existing doesn't get you out of bed in the morning. uh, Quite frankly, your chances of success are slim. Uh, So, You need to be really into it. You need to value yourself properly, undervaluing yourself and going into investors uh, and and raising what seems to be to any person, a large amount of money isn't a large amount of money to a business. Um, So you need to make sure that you seek really good advice and raise enough money to see you through to to, to a level where you can show that your business, you've proven your concept and the business is successful. Uh, and then asking for more money after that's quite easy, actually, if you're able to show um, sustained growth and and the future's bright, uh, e- everything falls into place. But I have a few friends, obviously, I won't say who they are, who started a business and they raised 50k, 100k. And of course, 50k, 100k sounds lovely, you know, in your back pocket, it'd be great, right? But 50k, 100k won't, won't get you very far uh, at all in terms of starting uh, a brand, a business, um, I won't go in, you know, we raised £2.1 million and we will be loss making for another eight, nine months. And we're going to raise another £6 million at the end of this year. So in total, we're going to raise £8.1 million in our first year, just to give people an idea of kind of scope and size. Uh, You know, if if you want to get somewhere quickly, you have to have the funds behind you and you need, the correct people uh, not to shoot yourself in the foot and overspend and, and take take as take few take if you can avoid stupid risk by hiring people who are aware uh, and have experience of navigating this kind of thing before do that you know it, it's not a waste of money to pay people well to answer questions for you that you might not have the answers to. Um, and don't assume that you have the answers to anything. If you're honest, always be willing and open to learning. Uh, I learn from absolutely everyone in, in, in my office, you know, our head of sales, our head of marketing, our chairman, our MD, you know, I'm constantly learning as I hope they, they see stuff in me. I definitely see stuff in them. Uh, so we work together as a team. Um, so yeah, make sure you raise enough money. Cash is absolutely key. Like running out of cash is not a good look. Nice. Uh, running out of cash before you're able to, to prove to people that the business is going well is an even worse look. Um, and going back to the same people asking for more money because you didn't raise enough. Um, often you'll find that they just don't reinvest uh, and, and the business just goes pop. Um, that's why. And also seek for, for SEIS and EIS. Uh, schemes from from the government because it makes it actually really attractive. A good idea with SEIS attached to it to someone like me who loves a punt on interesting young businesses uh, is almost it's really difficult to to turn it down. Actually, a lot of the time. So um, see if you can get those things in place. Now, thank you, uh, Spencer. Uh, I just want to now take some
0: questions uh, from our viewers. So we'll we'll move. Uh, on to those, We've got one here that's uh, coming. Did you learn any business lessons from your fellow Made in Chelsea cast
1: members? Um, n- not really, but that's not to say that I shouldn't have. At the time, I don't think I had the maturity to sit down and really listen to anyone, if I'm honest. Uh, honestly, I-, I used to drink a lot. I had a very big opinion of myself. Uh, I wouldn't listen too much to anything that anyone had to say to me, if I'm honest. Uh, I- I'm a bit of a different person now. Uh, Jamie Lang's business is a fantastic business uh, it's been going really really well for quite some time they've just secured um, a big deal which I won't spill I'm not sure it's public but but you know that that is a great great business uh, and I could have learned all sorts from him we now have uh, lovely conversations we're still very close friends we have a podcast together obviously uh, and, uh, and and I wish I had turned my attention to, to, to business earlier uh, I don't know how much I could learn from him per se his business is great. I'm not sure. I, I don't mean to be unkind. And um, no, of course, a lot, a lot, a lot of a lot of businesses, uh, you know, are, are not. Uh, th- there are businesses and businesses, if you know what I mean. I, and you know, we're, we're paying attention to a lot of businesses. I mean, for example, the the, the venture cap fund that, uh, that that invested in us uh, to do a next raise. They look for a turnover of a million dollars every single month, month on month on month. You know, you, you need to be uh, doing some pretty serious figures in FMCG in your, in your first year for that to happen. Uh, so, you know, not, not being unkind to anyone, but not not all businesses have the same kind of aspirations and goals as other businesses. Uh, so in that regard, I haven't learned too much uh, from my castmates. No.
0: no. Thank you for that. Uh, how important has your social media following been for the expansion of the Clean Liquor Company?
1: Very, uh, I think in order to to rely solely on social media uh, or my um, or, or, or my um, following, I suppose to to, to launch a business it, it is obviously very helpful. To sustain uh, growth and and to shift a business internationally, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. Uh, we're, we're launching into America. Uh, early next year at DTC uh, and nobody knows who I am there at all so I think the authenticity of the founder and the story that's attached to the founder is arguably more important in order to get 100,000 followers in your back pocket, you know, who you can talk to straight away, yeah, of course it's been very handy uh, also, you know, relationship with press and having PR and being able to call a distillery and they take your call because you're that guy from TV is is all helpful stuff but, you know Nike, for example, posts, I think it's once a month, uh, and they have you know tens of millions of followers. Um, Nike would survive without social media. It's a bad example, obviously, because Nike is Nike, but but you know what i mean it, it's it's helpful, but not essential, actually. And if you look at um, if you look at the country as a whole, there's about sixty million people here in the u k, uh, about thirty million of which have some form of social media. Uh, of that thirty million, call yourself uh, say i had a million followers which i don't have but my wife has a couple more than me and combined say we have reach to a million people of that reach about two percent engage and of that two percent that engage about five percent purchase and of that five percent you know you know it, the numbers smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller you know however way you look at it uh, i think Especially nowadays, people with a following assume that you say something online and people hear it. They don't. Uh, so so that, that's definitely not the case. But in order to get the message out to people uh, and for people to, to see me transition from reality star uh, to a businessman and to be able to promote sobriety online, uh, it's been very helpful. Now, thank you, uh, Spencer. Uh, what is one fact about you that people can't find online? I would hope there were loads. Um <laughs> uh, I think what well, I think what you get uh, about me online is uh is unfortunately uh pretty ca- character driven by by myself a few years ago. I mean, you know, when I used to get the most press obviously was was when uh was when I was um kind of front and center of, of Maiden Chelsea and, and perhaps it was uh now I look back at it. Not with regret, but slightly, you know, I wish I'd probably done things a little bit differently. I don't think uh, I quite thought that it would be as successful as it was. And it was all a bit of fun. But actually, things do stick with you a bit. And I think that's a shame because, uh, you know, I'm um, I'm uh, couldn't be more happily married now to my best friend. You know, second child on the way, uh, business obsessed, very driven, uh, very, um you know, very passionate actually about a lot of things. I'm not sure any of that kind of came across in in my early kind of TV career. Um, So I think, but I I also think it's very nice to separate the two. Uh, I I enjoy a private life. Actually, I love promoting my business and talking about my business and doing trade press and being in the press for that reason. Uh, I have very little interest in being in the press just for about myself uh, and talking about my life and you know, you know I, I, um, I've become a lot more kind of private as time's gone on, uh, I suppose, because the real value, I, I think, in my life and hopefully future legacy is held in, in, in business and hard work and less about my own ego. Thank you. That, those were the questions. Uh, I just want
0: to say thank you uh, again to Spencer and our, our sponsor, Perplex. A final word from, from yourself, Spencer?
1: Uh, just that it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for, for having me on. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep in touch. And uh, lovely to meet you, mate. All good.
0: Yeah. Thank uh, you. Likewise. And thank you for your time and, and, and good luck with the business.